Welcome back to Bike Race Weekly. I am your host, Ryan Gerard, and I am remotely connected with my co-host, Rick Greenwald. So today is going to be a little <laughs> bit of a different episode. We are not together. We aren't. Uh, so we, we are abiding by the social distancing protocols as Ryan and I actually live like basically across the street from each other, but we, uh, we're just going to do this thing remotely for the first time. Yep. So we are using the Anchor app to do this, not together, but I think it'll be just as good as in our, any of our other podcasts. Yeah, I mean, and this is, you know, we aren't paid by Anchor, but I'm genuinely pretty impressed with the Anchor app. It's super easy to use. If anybody ever wants to just, like, start their own podcast, I always say, like, there's literally zero barrier to entry. You can download an app and just talk in your phone, and you're good to go. Yeah, and the one we use is completely free. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, Ryan, what's uh, what's new with you in this this quarantine world? Well, um... I am one of the people working from home, uh, nice. like like most people. Uh, been definitely definitely been a change of pace. Uh, thankfully for biking, I only bike inside anyways. So yeah, I was gonna say it doesn't even affect your training. Yeah, my training has not really been affected at all. Um, probably the worst part though is not being able to go to the gym. Mm. And because you were doing some like lifting stuff, right? Yeah. And you know, that's, that's kind of the part that I am missing a bit Yeah, is, is getting to the gym like once or twice a week with Anna and uh, doing some stuff there. Uh, Anna, Anna's hurting a little bit too, because uh, the last, since, since we started working from home, it, the weather has not been good or when it has been good, she's worked every single day. Oh, Okay. So she hasn't been able to like get outside more than once or twice to like go on a run or something. So oh, she feels such a bummer. Yeah, so she feels a bit uh like like short chained because she had yeah. like, uh, confined. Right? Confined. Confined. Yeah. confined is a good way to say it. She's yeah, been feeling I'll... pretty confined with just being having to stay in the house on her days off. I was gonna say for the for the the cyclist that's just like a trainer road user, maybe uh you could say this is yourself. This is actually like, you know, kind of a dream come true because I think a lot of the times people feel like almost guilty about not riding outside. And now it's like, well, government says I should uh, not really go outside. So I'm just going to be on my trainer. Yeah. If uh, anyone's because I think I should say if anyone's wanted to try out training inside, now is definitely the time to do it. And I want to say like Trainer Road or Zwift is doing like a like a free trial phase for anyone that wants to try it out. Um, yeah. If you don't have a trainer, you're kind of on the short end of that, but highly, highly suggest going to a, a bike shop, the bike shop, bike shop and <laughs> investing into a trainer at this time. Yeah, I, I totally agree. A lot of bike shops are doing like curbside or, or you know, store side um, sales. So you can still buy stuff. I mean, for a trainer, you can still order that online. Pretty much life is existing in online orders for probably, you know, 80 to 90% of the people out there. But yeah, I totally agree. I think it's really interesting. And something that I want to talk about is some of the changes that are going on with some of the indoor training apps. So um, I know both Trainer Road and Swift have some pretty new and interesting features. Um, I know I got uh, an update from Trainer Road that they have this thing with that's called like a group workout. 
So essentially, it's and I don't I haven't really dug into it super far, but it's a, a workout chat or a workout room where everybody's doing the same workout as how I understand. Yeah, it. yeah. So I've I've looked into this a bit. Um, pretty much anyone of your friends that they have to have Trainer Road uh, in order to do this, but essentially it's it's kind of like Zoom where it's just you and your buddies on a, a like a FaceTime group chat. And yeah. you all do the same workout at the same time. The okay, only, okay. the only aspect of this that I'm unsure of is I don't, I don't think you can pause the workout with it without it pausing for everyone. Oh, okay. So maybe is there like a host? There's like an admin. Yeah. Almost? Okay. I would assume. Yeah, I'm. I'm guessing that there's an admin host um, who controls the workout. So. Like I have it set to stop if my trainer stops and yeah. usually I'll stop once or twice a workout to like get more water or run to the bathroom or something. Mm-hmm. So I very rarely will jump on my bike and not get off my bike once in like the entire workout, unless it's like an hour workout. And even then, like I stop to calibrate my trainer, okay. but, but if you, if you guys kind of all sync up, do it at the same time, it probably won't be a big deal. Yeah, it's a uh, it's kind of a cool idea, and I know it's probably much needed because a lot of people are saying that you know it's super important to you know maintain some sense of community and you know especially for people that are super super social you know and people that are used to doing group rides or even just like going out to your local race and seeing the same people there. Um, as a cyclist, I think a lot of people get really disconnected. So I think it's a pretty cool feature, and I think it's it helps with working out too i mean anytime that you have you know like multiple people around you uh you know doing the same thing it's it's always um you know encouraging so i i don't know ryan should we should we try it out should we test it out maybe i am all for trying it out i'm actually doing a uh one hour workout tomorrow okay at four o'clock okay what kind of workout are you doing uh i actually don't know let me look it up i'm bringing up my plan and this is actually a good uh segue because i recently changed my plan even a little bit more oh similar to what i did uh i'm getting a little bit of uh feedback or something from your side oh sorry i just have to close the door better yep all right Okay, so uh, I recently changed my training program. Um, pretty much what happened, my last uh, phase was it got just a little bit overwhelming during at near the end. I wasn't completing workouts fully. Uh, the last week, I was only able to complete like two workouts. And then the rest of that week was just completely trashed. Mm. So... I just looked at what I was doing that time and I'm just dialing it back so I can make it through all three weeks. That makes sense. I've kind of talked about this before, I think, where in the build phase of Trainer Road, they like really ramp you up over like where Sweet Spot was. I thought, I always think Sweet Spot is such a good spot. And then in the build phase, it seems like they really ramp up the like the overall training stress to something that's just. At least for me, it's just not possible for my body to take in like yeah, all that. I, and I'm on a medium plan, like a mid-volume I, uh, plan. Yeah, I I definitely have had similar struggles where I feel like you can do just like so much work in sweet spot and like you can just hit it. I mean, 
kind of like day after day, I, I would say you should even go almost like three days in a row and take a rest day pretty consistently with doing a more like sweet spot oriented program. <clears throat> and then when you hop over to specialty, you know, specialty kind of brings things down and you're really like working on those very precise, specific intervals. So those seem really hard, but really manageable. But I do agree. I think you start to blend those two in the build phase where you're bringing in some of those specific intervals, but you're also ramping up the training stress. It's such a hard balance to, to get right, if that makes sense. So yeah. I, I definitely have struggled there too as well. Especially because the, the type of work you're doing during build is a lot more um, above threshold and VO2. So it takes a real toll on your body. And then on top of that, uh, the TSS for build phase is considerably more than the TSS for sweet spot, which mm-hmm. I kind of I kind of feel like sweet spot should be higher than build. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I kind of I see what you mean because you're not doing so many intervals over threshold. Yeah. So you just you, you think you should um, have a higher TSS overall? Yeah. So I am pretty much just looking at what my TSS was in the two weeks before I blew up and I'm just dialing those weeks back so that I can complete all three weeks. And I think if I can stay more consistent over these next three weeks, I'm going to have a lot more improvement than I did the last three weeks. Um, speaking of which I actually had an FTP test this week. I, nice. I got a five watt boost. Um, hey, at, at, yeah. That's nice. You know, at first I was a little bit bummed. I was just like, yeah, you know, I got a boost. It just wasn't much. But the more I thought about it, I only trained for two and a half weeks. And in two and a half weeks, I got a five watt boost. Like that's if I get another five watts in like two and a half weeks, that's 10 watts over a five week period. Like that's pretty good. I mean, that's really good. Yeah, Yeah, I can be happy with that. I don't think there's anything to be pumped out about that at all. Yeah. So my new FTP is about 330. Nice. Moving on up there. Yeah. Moving on up. I am about 30 watts away from a 5.0 watt per kilogram that's which would really be solid yeah which would be my like ultimate goal yeah i mean that's really impressive i mean that's kind of what everybody talks about is like an elite watt per kg so I yeah think if you're if you're getting pretty close that's like just a huge accomplishment overall so you know nice job ryan you yeah know, you're doing something right the other thing i want to work on is my like food intake oh yeah um i think i slacked a little bit uh during the last three or four weeks so I think I'm gonna, yeah, not not eating enough. Oh, interesting. No, like I wanna, problem. Yeah, I actually I wanna slowly bring my weight up in order to help build muscle. You know. Yeah. Totally. Um. So I want to be. So if if Toad were to, you know, go on, I'd like to be around 165. Yeah, I mean, I think for you that's a pretty good weight. That's mm-hmm. like what five pound increase, right? Yeah. So Which, speaking, of, speaking of Toad. Yeah, I was just going to segue into that. Yeah, perfect. I, I see we're on the same page here. Um, what are your thoughts on the rest of the cycling season? I know when you reference Toad, Two of America's Dairy Land, that's pushing out into the end of June. And I think, you know, everybody kind of has their fingers crossed that things will kind of resume around then. But what do you think is going to happen with, like, I mean, specifically the road cycling calendar, but in general, like racing for the rest of the year? Um, so what my, my major thought is even if Toad were to like actually go on, um, I don't know if I would really feel prepared 
to like do my best at Toad. Cause like, to- why is that? Well, Toad is like your, your end game. And like, you don't want Toad to be your first race of the year. And, but, but don't you think everybody's in the same boat? Yeah, but it's it's kind of like still like I I I don't feel at my best. You wanna you wanna feel like you're uh, you're rocking up to the final exam when you studied, where where if you're just like getting out for your first race or your first ride, not race ride, but um, you wanna you don't feel like it's almost worth it, huh? Is that what what you're getting at? Uh, I wouldn't say it's not that it's. I would still race, yeah, but. If if I would race the the pro race would be the the toss up of what I would have uh, to decide. Okay, I, that makes sense. Yeah, like I, I get it. You want you want more experience. You yeah, want some good racing some racing miles before you just jump into a super elite field. That yeah, because originally when we were taught when I was talking about you know doing the pro race, you know I had multiple you know P one two P one two three races that were leading up to it, so I felt confident. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, and now you know, the first race of the year might be toad. Like that's a, right. that could be a very real possibility. So how, how have you shifted your goals? Cause obviously toad is, toad is not the only race of the year, right? Have you changed anything or like, do you have your eye on maybe something later in the year to focus on? Uh, my, I guess my trajectory after toad was going to be triathlon anyways. Oh, yeah. So what I kind of decided was if Toad were to be canceled, the day it got canceled, I would transition to like triathlon training. Oh, okay. Um, that being said, I mean, I'm not just taking everything I've worked for and throwing it out the window. I would just kind of be sidestepping. I'm still going to race, you know, I'm still going to race like other races in the year. I still will probably race cyclocross, you know, in the fall. I'm for sure going to race mountain bikes. It's just my my end goal is going to be different. But yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say I bet that, and it seems to be a theme that everybody's talking about is that you know roads. It seems like road cycling season is kind of kind, not done, but it it really took like the hardest hit. I mean, half of it's over with this whole yeah. thing going on, and everybody keeps talking about how cyclocross is going to be crazy this year because you know bike racers they want to get their racing fix. And everybody knows, you know, you've got the guys that have the cross bike, but they do a ton of road racing and they're super burnt out coming into cross season. So, so the thought is, oh man, everybody's going to want to race cross this year. And even I've thought about it a little bit too, in just that, you know, well, I'm not going to get my road racing fixed probably at least until June or July and then a couple of races in August. So man, why not do a, a maybe a more um, dedicated cross season this year or mountain biking too. Like obviously there's a lot of fall, and um you know late summer mountain bike races so i think that definitely is on my mind yeah uh absolutely i mean what has been on your mind for like training wise i mean you you go to the same ymca as i do you don't have that uh, access to that now um are you still running are you biking more are you running more yeah totally i mean i think i've actually just swung more into doing more indoor training um, I was going to the Y and I was, I mean, I was doing some weightlifting. I had already started to kind of get back onto the track of doing more and spending more time just dedicated cycling training. Um, but I think, so that, I guess that hasn't changed a, a lot for me. I've actually just been, yeah, doing more bike training. I think, you know, like my goals have definitely shifted to, I think, things later in the year. I mean, to your point, yeah, I mean, one of my first races might end up being towed this year, which is like, 
kind of a weird thought, but I've definitely thought about, you know, like, okay, well, there's still cyclocross, there's still mountain biking. So I think I definitely have my eye on just stuff later in the year, like a lot of people do. So I still, I'm still looking forward to racing and I think it's still going to be an all right year. And who knows, you know, with all the races getting canceled, um, it seems like a lot of races are trying to get rescheduled for, you know, like September and October. So I think it's a good thing when thinking about having a full calendar and a lot of choices too. Yeah. You know, I think a positive thing that might come from this is races realizing that they're probably better off having seasons later in the year. That, yeah, I think that's always been something that's kind of bugged me is that everybody gets excited to race, you know, road in April in the Midwest. And it's like still super cold. I mean, we've been lucky this year, which is kind of a bummer because, it's actually been a warm April so far, all two days. Um, but usually it's super cold. And, you know, people are doing like a bunch of racing in April, May. And then, you know, by August and September, there's no races. So I, I agree. I mean, I think we should just keep pushing calendars farther back, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, it never makes sense to me why we start like racing when it, there's still snow. Yeah, like I get, I get, percent, a hundred percent. I get people want to like, be outside riding racing as soon as the snow is gone but you know if you if you push the schedule later in the season you know you you have that one year where you have to wait longer but then the next year you're on the same schedule because you just finish later so you go from straight from road instead of having two three months off you go from road straight into cyclocross yeah i think i think the growth of cyclocross is what's made that a bit of a problem because people now just want those to be completely separate which to my understanding uh for the longest time there was always an overlap there was always road racing that went into september and there was always cyclocross racing that started in september and there was just like you know a couple weeks where you could do either or but yeah i i totally agree um you know something that i wanted to come back to in regards to racing but indoor racing because that's all the racing that we can do right now um, I was reading an article about Zwift and how they're actually rolling out a crash feature in their races. Did you hear about this, Ryan? Uh, I. Oh no, that's that was an April Fool's thing. Oh no way! Are you serious? Yeah, that was an April Fool's I thing. I totally fell for it. Really <laughs> an April Fool's thing? Yeah, that came out today. Oh, I feel like such an idiot. Think think about it, Rick. I mean, the the packs and Zwift are like really tight and they like go through each other no no no. they they phrased it as a power-up though so like you'd get a power-up and you could only use it in the last 5k and if somebody used the power-up everybody around them would crash unless you also had that power-up or like some percentage of the people around would crash and i honestly i i don't think i thought it was an april fool's joke because part of me was like that's not a bad idea like if you if you actually had like some random roll of the dice like in the last 5k but uh yeah okay i totally fell for that one i'm Uh, i'm actually going to double check this because if i might i might look it up too okay yeah it's definitely an april fool's thing dang it well, speaking of Zwift racing in general, then, have you had any inkling to possibly, you know, do maybe like a month of Zwift subscription and try some racing? Uh, I haven't really had any inclination, personally. Um, I mean, that would go to say if 
Like, I mean, if you, Tommy, and Matthew all decided, like, today we're all getting Zwift and we're all going to do a race every single Tuesday, I would consider it. Yeah, that, yeah, I agree. I think that would be pretty cool. I think Tommy would do that. And I think, I think that, I don't know, I think that probably would too. Yeah, I would. get like some friends together, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the hard part would be getting, finding a night where everyone can do it at the same time. That's, well, we do have our driving league. Uh, we do have, yeah. So uh, our friends and I, and us, and Ryan, and me, uh, we started a sim driving league, which is a nightly league, which is also a great way to get your racing fix if you don't want to do it uh, on a virtual bike race. Just saying. I actually, I, I want to speak on that real quick. Yeah, um, yeah, I have learned so much about cornering from <laughs> playing sim racing games. There we go. And just I, like how to apex and, yeah, but, and uh, preferred I mean, lines. Yeah, the preferred line, though, is not what I expected. The the angle of how you should take a turn changes whether it's uh, like a ninety, uh, more or wait, less than a ninety or more than a ninety. The you sh- it's it's not the it's not just inside or outside inside outside. How you take that curve is different depending on the angle of the curve. Interesting. Yeah. So if it's so if it's a less than ninety degree turn, like a hairpin, you actually want to break later, go straight later. And then turn in so that you that you can do a tighter turn, but then uh, finish closer to the uh, the end of the apex, so that you can accelerate sooner. And you think you can take some of these learnings and apply them to bike racing? Yeah, actually, because I was watching a trainer road video yesterday uh, yeah. while on the bike, and they there was a hairpin in that race. And there's a lot of times where they were almost going off the road and actually one guy actually crashed. And oh, yeah. the entire time I was thinking like they're taking this corner completely wrong. And and they absolutely mm. were. You know, there was quite a few times where they almost hit the curb. Uh one guy started turning way too soon, which led him to crash. Uh there's a lot of aspects to cornering that I just never realized. Yeah, and I think um like we talk about this all the time that like cornering is the same the same way a mountain biker would go out and practice riding single track i think somebody that races a, a lot of crits should like when on their ride they should practice taking corners at high speed like they don't have to sprint into a corner but if you're going down a hill and it's like a right-hander like and there's no cars uh and the roads are pretty clear like maybe just like try to take the best line and play around with it otherwise you get into a race situation and that exact same thing happens where nobody really knows like what the best line is and you get stuck behind people that you're following and you just assume that they know what they're doing until you realize that they're all a bunch of road cyclists and they have no skill in cornering yeah i mean yeah i mean the biggest thing for me was learning that like when you corner it's it's not supposed to be a a symmetrical like entry and like leaving the corner Mm -mm, um it's very interesting. Like if any of the listeners uh, go look up like cornering in formula one, it's super interesting and it'll, it'll change how you corner. I think, I think there's also a big difference between people that, um, that will be in a four corner crit, just like a, a big square or a big uh, oval and having a racing a crit where there's like a hot dog corner or yeah. like a hairpin corner. Mm-hmm. That's so different. Uh, if any of you or if any listeners out there race the Bayview crit, 
which I believe is the last Friday in Tour of America's Dairyland, um, there's like a pretty sharp, not quite 180 degree corner, um, but it's got like a weird embankment midway through. And I've seen people just like rail that corner and be able to break away from the field. And I've also seen people off the front just slide across that corner, like hit the line wrong and just boom, they're on the ground. So yeah, it's definitely something that it's worth like, it's not only worth playing around with, but watching videos. Um, Train Road also has those really great videos on cornering and skills work as well. I feel like those guys really get the idea of implementing skills work into your riding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. yeah, their videos, what I really like is that they, since they have a few professionals like on on staff and then they work with Keegan Swenson, uh, they use their race footage to show you what you should should be doing. And then the pros then critique uh, the rest of the staff who also race on what they're doing wrong. So you get yeah. both ends of the spectrum of how to improve versus like, this is what I do in this situation. Yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like it takes a lot of humility to have, especially, you know, with an audience to have like a pro watch you do it. And just, I mean, they're pretty nice, but they definitely like let them know when they're doing stuff wrong and like how to fix it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's like the whole, that's kind of, that's like the whole point too of, you know, if you only have <clears throat> limited time to ride, when you do get those days where you can go out and put a couple hours in on the road, um, you know, don't just like, like kind of la la la, like pedal around like that. That's like awesome time to work on that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, you, you can make every part of your, you know, training um, productive. Yeah. Honestly, like the last, uh, at least, I, I mean, this could be argued. <clears throat> Uh, but probably 25% of your entire like race form is, I would say is race sense, you know? Yeah, for sure. If, and being able to think quick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would say that's like 25% of your entire, you know, race fitness would be right. race sense and knowing what to do in what situation, how to conserve energy. You know, that's all part of, part of racing. It's not just the FTP, you know, you have to have a, a big FTP in order to support that race sense. But if you have a big FTP and zero race sense, it almost doesn't matter if you have a big FTP. Yeah. You might as well just like pull the field around and hope that, you know, nobody's on your wheel when the five laps to go comes out. Yeah. Which you see, honestly, you see a lot, a lot, especially yeah, in like the, in like the cat three category, four category, you see a lot of people who are really strong, but you know, they, they don't know how to they don't know how to race yeah a hundred percent i i agree um it's almost kind of scary sometimes um we i think we had a, a friend a while back that you know we that was a really fast cat one and um i remember asking him like what is the sketchiest class that you race in that or that you've ever raced in and they said it was the cat two three field because that's the place where a lot of people land that are just super strong and can just like upgrade really rapidly, but they can't quite upgrade yet into the next like, you know, pro cat one field. Um, so you get this like mix of guys that are just like way too strong, but just don't know how to handle their bike, which I thought was pretty interesting. And I, I think, I think I, I would agree with that. I think cat, the cat three field and the cat two, three fields, are in my experience, I think some of the kind of hairier race situations, just because you have that like 
mismatch between skill and guys that are still going really, really fast. Yeah, I feel I always kind of felt like the Cat 3 field um, always has the guys. They, like, it always seems like there's five guys racing the race, and then the right. rest are trying to fill in. And I always, I always felt like in the Cat 4 races back when we were, you know, Cat 4s, uh, Cat 5s, I always felt like as long as you just stayed kind of close to the front of the field, like nothing bad would happen. Um, it's like all the carnage just happened at the very back and nothing really, uh, nothing too bad happened closer to the front. Oh, see, like I was almost the exact opposite when, uh, oh, really? in like the Cat 3s, Cat 4s, like, you know, if we're 10 minutes into a 50 minute race, like I am just chilling out. But at the same time, like I give like like going into corners, I'll give like the person in front of me like two bike lengths, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because like I'm just I'm just yeah. I mean like the guy in front of me is you know braking and stuff, and I'm not I don't touch my brakes. I don't need to accelerate. I'm just kind of hanging out, you know. Yeah. And then once you know we get later into the race, then I get to the front. But I mean most of the race i'm just hanging out like it's it's not hard yeah nope i totally agree also yeah, i always that, feel that, like that makes sense yeah and i always feel safe because i have that um that space in front of me that blocker, where yeah. yeah and i can anticipate like what's about to happen have you ever had a like bunny hop over a wheel or a, like somebody that because i feel like a lot of the times when somebody crashes there's like the subsequent two or three riders that slide across um Ever had a like bunny hop a wheel or anything? I d- I didn't bunny hop one, but I actually rode over a back wheel once. Oh, geez. that was pretty scary. Uh, <laughs> one time, did you fall? Did you crash? No, I took fourth. Oh man, that's pretty solid. Uh, another time, I I can't remember exactly what happened, but I think I either went over his back a back wheel again, or I barely missed it and like slammed on my brakes, and. As I was about to turn, like to fall, I unclipped and actually caught myself on like one foot. So I had like, I was like on one foot, and my like bike was in the air and like my other hand, and I saved it. But like wow. the bottom of my shoe and my cleat was just like destroyed. Yeah, it was just raw. Oh man, yeah. I feel like I feel like everybody's got a good story where they somebody crashes in front of them, and it's either you make some amazing save or you just completely pile over them yeah uh i've had both i've had both yeah i mean thankfully uh the last few seasons i haven't had a crash knock on wood yeah that is yeah knock on wood for sure that is pretty amazing yeah i mean like, i there's, there's there's a degree to luck to that but a lot of skill too yeah you know i you know i always tell anna this when you know i, ex- I explain racing to her um i i am anticipating every single corner like when I go into yeah, a corner, yeah. When I go into a corner, um, before that corner, you you take a you kind of take a snapshot of who's around you, what's the space between people, like are people starting to lean one way, are people going to bomb the inside? Like you just kind of take like a a quick, you know, self check of what's going on and what could happen, and then also too you have to realize that you need some kind of out. Um, and if you don't have an yeah, out, always give yourself an yeah, out. If, yeah, if you don't have an out, that's when crashes happen. A hundred percent. Yeah, and yeah, and if you're making a move, if you're if you're doing a, um, if you're if you're doing something that's kind of dicey, I always think the best the best like scenario is if you can whoever is like the most affected by the thing that you're doing, be sure that they have an out. Like if you're gonna like slide up 
and try to like you know wiggle between two riders like make sure that if they have to like give you room forcibly uh they're not gonna like go into a fence or something mm-hmm. i think that's just a uh, courtesy thing you know? you know uh just i was watching justin williams new video this week uh and he actually touched on the same thing you know he always talks about how uh, because they are a very dominant team, they'll get people that kind of want to show them up, you know, but they yeah. always talk about how they do it in a very unsafe way at a time that just doesn't make sense. If you're 15, which just makes them look dumb. Yeah. If you're 15 minutes into a crit and you know, you just, you shoot the inside and just cut everyone off for one spot. It's like for, for 11 for the 11th position. Yeah, for the 11th position. Like, what, what was the point of that? You just made... Right. You just did a super high-risk, dangerous move for zero benefit. Like... Right. And they, they talk about that quite a bit, where uh, what they do, it looks dangerous and high-risk, but, you know, it's it's very calculated. They only deploy it when they need to. Yeah. Like, you only roll the dice for the win or for, for a move that matters. Like, I, I, yeah, I do agree. I think I've been in a lot of races where somebody just, like, dive bombs on, like, the fourth lap for, like, you know, 11th place. And it's just like, what was the point of that, you know? I'd love to get inside your head and figure out what's what's going on there because it's just, it's not worth it. I, and that's, those are, those are the people that tend to have all the crashes. Yeah, you know, and a lot of the times I think it's just that, um, that idea of, I need to be aggressive and I need to be at the front, but you don't, if you're not in the front, you're in the back. Yeah. You just, you just do it. You don't really think about what the situation is or like what the outcome could be it. You you just do it. You just know you're supposed to be up at the front. And if you dive bomb, that's going to be the quickest way. Yeah. You know, hundred percent. All right, so we're at. Well, Ryan, oh, sorry. We've been doing this for about thirty-five minutes. Yep. Uh, are we ready to wrap it up? Uh, I I am ready. I thought that was a pretty good conversation, Rick. Yeah, pretty good. This is our first remote one, so I'm pretty impressed. Uh, you know, we'll keep doing these. I think on a weekly basis now that we uh, are indefinitely quarantined. But you know, we'll uh, we'll think of some new and interesting topics to do it with, and pop- possibly have some special guests on. So um, yeah, you can. Uh, like and subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, um, all of our social networks. We have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Bike Race Weekly, uh, pretty much all of them. You can find most of our major updates on Facebook, so be sure to follow us along there. Anything else, Ryan? Uh, that's it for me. Uh, go check out, check out our YouTube channel if you have not already. Uh, we have quite the backlog already of videos there, so check that out. All right, that's it for us then. Uh, Have a good one, Rick.